0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Sojourn College podcast where we engage in God's word in a way that transforms us. My name is Kyle, and today I am actually just doing a quick introduction to the rest of the episode. So this past Thursday, we had our SC gathered and um, some of you were not able to make it because of the snow or because you're out of town. Um, And we've been meaning to record the SC gathered in the past, but we just got around to it this time. Um, but we recorded it on a laptop, so the quality of the audio is not necessarily the best, but I promise if you just start listening, you'll get used to it, and it'll be fine. (laughs) And, um, so just as a quick introduction, this SC Gathered is the gospel and social media. Um, so we've been doing the gospel and, and then a hot topic kind of issue, uh, that you guys chose for these SC Gathereds, um, this semester. And so this last month, Jason did the gospel and politics, and this past Thursday, I got to teach on the gospel and social media. So, uh, without further ado, I just hope you enjoy, and uh, I hope it is a, just a fruitful and encouraging word and a challenging word, too, as we seek to engage with social media in a healthy way and realizing the false gospels uh, that tend to be operating underneath the surface of our social media use and how it can potentially be forming and shaping us. Uh, into the image of the world, and not necessarily the image of Jesus. So, we hope this is helpful. And enjoy this word. Have to say about just the, I want to get underneath of like what is the motivation? What is going on in your heart when you're engaging with this platform? Because I, I agree with Solomon, the wisest man in the Old Testament, who wrote the Book of Ecclesiastes. He said, "There's nothing new under the sun." Right at the end of the day, there's nothing new under the sun. So what is going on under the surface? How can scripture speak into the realities of social media? Uh, so I just want to give you guys some, some context real quick before we dive into the text, some context from the book of Galatians, because I think it's relevant to even our, our own context as we approach this topic. Uh, so in this letter, the apostle Paul, he is a, a new convert. Well, he's not new at this time. This is 20 years after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And Paul has this radical conversion. Right, so, the Apostle Paul previously saw, unless you know, if you, if you grew up in church, he actually persecuted and killed Christians. Like the Apostle Paul previously saw, was there when Stephen was stoned. So, this man who hated Jesus, hated Jesus, was met by Jesus and radically changed by his love and turned his whole life around. The man who killed Christians is now the one who is evangelizing and saying Jesus is everything. So in this letter, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church. He's a young church planner, a missionary, and he's writing to a church of young and new believers. And he's writing them to address some spiritual issues in the church. Like He sees this bad fruit, and he's gonna point to the heart, to the root of this fruit that he sees. So in this church, uh, there was division between the Jews and the Gentiles. So the Jews, previously the people of God, they were saying, "Yeah, Jesus is great. We see him as the Messiah. We need to trust in Jesus." But, but let's still keep the ceremonial laws. Like let's still follow these laws and, and say uh, and promote circumcision to say that this is necessary to be a part of God's kingdom. And this created social and racial tension in the church, which created envy, uh, division, strife, and so many works of the flesh that we're going to see in this passage. And Paul is writing to them and he's telling them, he doesn't tell them just to do better. He doesn't tell them just to be better. Actually, he says, the reason why there is division among you is because you have left the gospel, because you are not remembering and preaching the gospel of Jesus that I proclaimed to you. Right In the beginning in chapter one, he says, do you, you're leading to another gospel, a false gospel. He says, "Do you not remember that I preached Christ crucified to you?" And, and so much of the point, he says that, like literally, it was as if Jesus was being crucified in front of you. Like I proclaimed the gospel so clearly to you that it was as if 20 years ago you were standing there and looking at Jesus on the cross, crying, "Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do." And he's saying, how could you so quickly add to this gospel and turn from Jesus and give yourselves over to the flesh? Give yourselves over to this sinful nature that is outside of you in the world and also still remains inside of you because we are not fully sanctified by the Spirit. He's calling them to remember the gospel. Galatians is this short and powerful letter that's a call to get back to the basics to remind them that the gospel doesn't just begin our Christian life, the gospel is the whole of our Christian life. The gospel is not just the ABCs of the Christian life, it is the A to Z, it encompasses all of our life and it brings us all the way home into eternity with God. So in light of this context, I would like to say something similar to you all as we engage uh, this topic of social media, that regardless, as we address maybe some practical implications, Uh, As we maybe come to the conclusions that for some of us, maybe it's better that we don't even participate in social media. I don't want you to hear that this is just a do better or be better message. This isn't about just cutting off the bad fruit of social media in your life. This is about getting to the heart of the issue. And that might mean getting rid of social media for some of us, right? But, But at the end of the day, I want you to see that this is a gospel issue. That this is a gospel issue. I hope we can reflect on what is motivating and and being cultivated by our use of social media. Like what is it stirring up inside of us? What are we longing for and looking for? And maybe for some of you, you're thinking like, I don't engage in social media in a super unhealthy way. I don't really care about it. Um, If that's you, then I'm still glad you're here because there's something in your life that you're longing for, that you're looking to, that you're seeking to be entertained and distracted by, that's ultimately forming you and preaching a false gospel to you. Um, and so this, this message is still relevant to you. So let's go ahead and look at the book of Galatians. We're gonna be reading verses 13, chapter five, verses 13 through 26. And let me let me pray before we read God's word.
1: Father in heaven,
0: God, we thank you that you loved us so much that while we were still sinners, while we were rebelling against you, while we didn't want anything to do with you, that you sent Jesus. That 2,000 years ago, your son became a man, walked among us, lived the perfect life that we can never live and died the death that we deserve so that we could have life in you. God, I thank you that your spirit is among us. I thank you for this word. I thank you for um, just this ministry and the ways in which you're working in the lives of these students, I pray that your spirit would be here, would be among us, that you would speak through your word, that you would convict us of sin, and you would call us back into the newness of life that you've called us to. God, would you set us free from the bondage of sin that enslaves us too often through the use of social media? Would you uh, just remind us of your grace and your gospel? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Galatians 5 starting in verse 13, for you are called to freedom, brothers, only do not your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you yourself, uh, but watch out that you are not consumed by one another. if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Not, uh, let us not become conceited, provoking one another and being one another. Amen. That's a, a lot of text, and we're going we're gonna to break it down slowly. Uh, and so just bear with me. Hang in there. All right. So there are many different aspects of social media that we could look at tonight. Right? We could talk about the issues of misplaced identity. And how social media encourages superficiality, how it pushes us to create a false sense of self. It, it can lead us to just covet and, and desire what other people have to escape reality, to seek affirmation from those who barely know us or care about us. We could talk about the overwhelming anxiety and depression that is directly, statistically connected to social media use, like as your social media use increases, that the likelihood of you being anxious and depressed increases. We could talk about all the data that is constantly being gathered through our engagement with social media and how corporations and companies are using this data to manipulate us for their own wallets. We can talk about the unspoken addictive relationship that many of us have with our phones in general, right? Uh, I was looking up some statistics and we the average person touches their phone about 2,000 times a day. And that's just like grabbing, that's just like the habit of just grabbing, checking your phone. The average person engages with their phone about 150 times a day. And on average, Americans spend about three hours cumulatively on social media. And a a funny story, I recently uh, am using like the same time on my phone to like track of my social media use and I have it on 15 minutes a day. Uh, I go through times of not using social media and using it. And recently I have to go into 15 minutes a day and literally while I'm preparing this message, <laughs> like while I'm preparing this message, I find myself like ah, 15 more minutes, like I have 15 more minutes. And as I reflected back in the day, I was like, I'm pretty sure I clicked 15 more minutes about six times and therefore, like, I spent yeah, like an hour and a half on social media, preparing a message about social media like on a day when I was kind of stressed, anxious, and just wanted to be distracted. So I think the reality is that if we went on our phones right now, all of us, and check our screen time, some of us would be a little embarrassed by the amount of time we can give to social media. So my point is this, I, I could go on and on about Throwing at you different statistics and the problems and, and, and getting at many different aspects of social media. But what I want you to see most importantly tonight is that I want to warn you of the spiritual lethargy, the spiritual apathy, the spiritual blindness that can come as a result of mindlessly being distracted and discipled by social media. And that is done through the avenue of our attention. Like our intention, when we get set our minds, set our gaze upon all the different gospels that social media preaches at us, that distracts us and it's actually discipling us and informing us in the way of the world, in the way of the flesh as seen in this text. So I want to encourage you to believe the gospel first and foremost to believe the gospel, to then walk by the Spirit and to experience the fullness of life as outlined in the list of the fruit of the Spirit, the fullness of life that God desires for you. Like these, That's the desires of the Spirit. That the fruit listed there, that is the desires of the Spirit, and the other list is the desires of the flesh. And I think too often our distraction and attention towards social media can lead us to feed into the desires of the flesh. So I think attention, our, our attention is what is set through social media on these false gospels. So here's my main idea, and we're, about to, we're going to get to the text now. My main idea is that you are called Christian. You are called to gospel freedom. Therefore, use your attention to keep in step with the Holy Spirit and to live out the full life you have through Jesus. Right, so that means probably cutting off some, some, uh, some of these works of the flesh that are manifesting in your social media use. That is one way in which you can keep in step with the Spirit. So if you are called to gospel freedom, therefore, use your attention to keep in step with the Holy Spirit and to live the full life that He has for you in Jesus. So look down to the text, uh, verses 16 through uh, 18 there. And we see that Paul is talking about these two desires that are waging war, right? He says that these desires in verse 17, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh for these are opposed to one another. So though we are set free in the gospel, we find ourselves in a war. Like we find ourselves in a war of desires in particular, right? I think the flesh here, Uh, can be seen as something both outside of us and within us. Like, that's the reality we live in. Like, the the world, like, we see these two kingdoms, right? The kingdom of God and, really, the the kingdom of man, the kingdom of darkness. And the flesh represents this kingdom of darkness that we too often see. It's, It's the world we live in. It's the air we breathe outside of God's kingdom. So here Paul paints this picture of this cosmic battle, a war that is going on, And and this war goes back to the beginning, back to the Garden of Eden, right, where Satan whispered that lie to Adam and Eve. He said, did God actually say that you can't eat from the knowledge of the tree of good and evil? And here we see that there's this desire that is placed in them to define for themselves what is good and evil. We see that this desire uh, is placed in them to give them the power to define what is good and evil. And then the following chapter, so this is Genesis, that's Genesis 3, and then moving into Genesis 4, we see that the result of this fall into sin, this rebellion against God, this creation, if you will, of the kingdom of man, this creation of this kingdom of the flesh, we see the result of this is hatred and death, even between brothers. Right, Even between brothers, Cain is filled with anger and hate, and God warns Cain, and he tells him, he says, pay attention, because sin is crouching at the the door, and its desire is for you. Its desire is to overtake you. So here sin, in Genesis chapter 4, is defined as this beast that is lurking, that is crouching, that is ready to pounce and devour Cain. And so this word that that Paul uses here for desire means to over-desire. It's this all-controlling desire that we can see personified as this beast that just wants to overtake us. And so the problem is not that we just desire bad things, but that we over-desire good things. And they end up consuming us. This is simply like the world we live in, right? Our, our culture, the, the flesh that is evident around us, a, a culture that idolizes money, sex, and power. I mean, every commercial, every thing that, that is, is begging for your attention can be revolved around those three things. It's expressed in everything we do and including the world of social media. So that's the, that's the war that's going on outside of us, right? A war that we see, but then we also experience this war within us, right? As believers, we are filled with the Spirit, yet we still experience sinful desires within us. Right, the Spirit desires to conform us to Jesus, but our own flesh desires to conform us to the things that we are idolizing, the false gospels that we're believing. And here is where I want to encourage you in in verse uh, from verse the end of verse seventeen that you are called to gospel freedom and that your desires as a believer, like you want to do the things of God. You want to live by the spirit. It says in verse 17, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. And I want to tell you, as a believer, like Christ has set you free and therefore Christian, you can walk in freedom, and if you're the truest desire in your heart, I have to that what you deeply most like want as a Christian is to be like Jesus. right? What you want most above all else is to be like Jesus. And so, in this passage, Paul is trying to appeal to these Galatians, urging them to not fall back into the slavery under the law, into the slavery of sin, into the slavery of the flesh. And some Galatians were denying the sufficiency of Jesus, of his death, and his sacrifice. And Paul is then preaching the gospel to them and telling them, like, live into the freedom that God has bought for you in Christ. Live into the freedom that God has bought for you in Christ. And I think, sadly, um, too often as we begin to drift away from the Lord, as we begin to give ourselves over to unhealthy engagement patterns of social media, as we give ourselves over to sin and we grieve the Holy Spirit, we find ourselves feeling more connected to the desires of the flesh and the desires of the spirit. And, and I want to tell you, as a believer, as a Christian, you are more connected. Your truest self, your truest desires, your deepest desires are to be conformed to the name of Christ. Like, and believe that for yourself. Like, what do you want most? Like, I know when you feel those desires to sin and for sin, like, I know that feels so real. But the gospel says you have been renewed, you have been given a new heart, you've been sanctified, that God, God's love has given you a new heart and you have new desires. So don't live into that the false self, live into that. Don't live into the flesh when you experience that war within you. Believe that what you want most is Jesus. So then the question here is How does my unhealthy engagement and attention to social media hinder me from believing the gospel and walking in the desires of the Spirit? How does my unhealthy engagement and attention to social media hinder me from believing the gospel and walking in the desires of the Spirit? So whenever, to, to tease out this question a little bit more for you, whenever you spend hours engaging in unhealthy social media use, which I know almost all of us have, right? We've all kind of just been in that state of just distraction and just wasting time. Whenever you spend hours engaging in unhealthy social media use, what things does it leave you wanting and tying your sense of worth and happiness to? What things does it, does it stir up in you? What, here's a good question that just resonated with me personally, What if-onlys do you find does it produce in you? And what I mean by that is this. As you engage with social media in an unhealthy way, in a sinful way, what if-onlys does it produce in you? If if only people pay more attention to me. If only I had the job that this person had. If only I had the kind of money that this person had. If only I had the body that this person had. If only I had the love that this person had. And what in those moments what we're saying is Jesus isn't enough Jesus isn't enough for me and're and we're, we're tying our self-worth to someone or something outside of God who said I love you I saw you I died for you so literally when you're saying man I I'm, my, my self-worth is you know it's tied to this other thing you're saying that Jesus is worth that he's placed on you when he went to the cross is not enough. So my encouragement said, look to Jesus, look to Jesus in these moments. So the next movement in the text I want you to look at are these two works, right? We have the, the works of the flesh and the singular work of the spirit, which is called fruit. And so there's a long list there, and we don't have time to tease out and work through all of these different works that are described here. But in these verses, uh, Tim Keller calls these two words that he says that these two works flow from two semi-intact motivational systems. He says that these systems are centered on a goal that the imagination finds beautiful and desirable, and that the goal generates what we perceive as needs and manufactures drives to attain them. So our actions then flow from whatever is motivating us, right? So whatever's driving us. Whatever's motivating us is going to lead us to act out in a certain way, right? So our actions flow from this motivational system. and this sinful nature, this the works of the flesh, both in the world and experience in us, flow from our fallen motivational system, if you will, flow from our, our sinful nature. And, and so there are different ways to, to group these, these different things. Um, these different works of the flesh, you could group them according to just, like, having to do with sexuality, idolatry, or um, whatever ways you might want to organize them. But regardless of the list, right, I don't think it's meant to be comprehensive. I don't think it's meant to, like, encompass all sin, per se. Um, but I think it's interesting how we generally, as religious people, will, like, give heavier weight to some or heavier weight or like less weight to the others. But Paul says that all of these things listed here, that he, he warns them, it says, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so there's an important note here that those who practice such things, those who continually give themselves over to these things, those who unrepentantly and unapologetically say, I'm gonna participate in all of these things and I don't care what God has to say. It's that person who is not a part of the kingdom of God. And I think too often as we can engage with social media we're, we're in and just give ourselves over to these sins, we're numbing ourselves to the conviction of the Holy Spirit who wants us to be informed to the image of Christ and who desires so much more for us. And the second list here that Paul mentions is the fruit, singular fruit of the Spirit. This is verses 22 through 23. Uh, in this list, like the previous, I don't think it's meant to be exhaustive, but lay some foundational groundwork for what the Spirit produces in us—a person who's received God's grace, and this is what their life is marked by. This is what their life looks like. Uh, and notice, notice here that these things aren't our works; like these are things that you can't do in and of yourself. And I and I don't think I think some people's personalities might show some of these things more than others. But the point is that. Love and joy and peace, all of these things are meant to be supernaturally brought by the Holy Spirit in us. And I think fruit is an appropriate analogy here because it, it shows us that this work happens slowly. Like it grows, right? And then these things happen symmetrically. Like they, these things all come together. You can't have peace with that, or, or patience and kindness towards somebody without love for somebody. And so these things are all deeply connected together, and they come from God. They come from the work of the Holy Spirit. And Paul urges us in verse 24, and he tells us that this fruit flows from us belonging to Christ. He says, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And as that flesh has been crucified, the Spirit then works in us to produce this fruit. So ultimately, like, this list isn't just a list to say, like, do better. This list isn't something you can just kind of pull yourself up by your bootstraps and say, I'm going to be more loving. I'm going to be more joyful. I'm going to find peace. I'm going to be patient. I'm going to be kind. This is a work of God as you rest in the gospel. Like, as you look to Jesus and see the grace of God that he has for you. So, another question for you guys is. What does your social media use usually produce, cultivate, or motivate you towards? So, last I asked you what, what is motivating your use of social media, and now the question is, what does when you actually use social media, what does that cultivate and stir up in you? What does that normally move you towards? So, take a minute and, and be honest with yourself here. When When you're bored, lonely, when you're experiencing sexual desire, or just looking for distraction. Does getting on Instagram actually produce in you love and joy and peace? Is it actually bringing about the Spirit of the Spirit, or is it more likely to produce the works of the flesh?
1: Is it more likely to
0: produce jealousy? Is it more likely to produce self-hatred? Is it more likely to produce lust or impatience? I heard it said, my mom actually told me this when I I called her on the phone tooth. Uh, I was talking to her for a little bit and then I hung up and she called me she said, oh, I have a point for you to mention in your message. She, she was like, I, this really stuck with me, this land of me. And my mom's somebody who she's honestly borderline addicted to Instagram. She follows, tries to follow all my friends. She tries to comment she's always asking me like, hey, it's okay that I commented on some of those. I'm like, yeah, it's fine. Whatever. Uh, but she called me and she, she said, oh, I got a good one for you. This is a good one-liner. Comparison is the thief of joy. That's good. That's good. She just like, she loves like little one-liner things that just stick with her. But that's true, right? I mean, social media feeds comparison, it feeds jealousy, it feeds envy. And like scripture says here, like in this list of the flesh, there are things that are actions, but there are also things that are just attitudes. And that these attitudes in our heart are sinful and dishonoring to God. And so that 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 jealousy you feel, that envy you feel.
1: Like, just because it's not necessarily manifested in
0: action yet doesn't mean it's still not sinful and all. And actually, I guarantee you that that jealousy and that envy will result in you lashing out, will result in hatred. It will not result in joy and love and peace. And as you look at these, these lists, like, doesn't the second one, like, don't you want that? Like, the fruit of the Spirit. Like, don't you desire that? You desire love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So should we not want to stir up and and gaze our attention on things that are going to cultivate this in our life? So, if you're paying attention, you notice, like, what I said seemed to contradict itself a little bit, because I I emphasize that this is a work of the Holy Spirit, right? Is this fruit in our lives? is a work of the Holy Spirit. But I just said that we can stir it up within us, right? And I don't think it's contradictory. I think this is a tension we experience where God is the one who's working and redeeming us and he has done something and he will do something and we can have confidence that he's going to produce this fruit in us. Yet at the same time, we are called to respond to what God is doing, Right, so now let's look at these two responses, uh, the way we must walk now. We must keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Look down to verses uh, 25 and 26. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another in being one another. So here we see that while the fruit of the Spirit is something that He grows in us by His grace, it is also something that we actively have to step back. Like, we have to also walk it out a little bit, right? We have to pursue him. Like, we have a responsibility. I think this is where my, my emphasis and my point on attention, on, like, where our attention is set. Like, if our attention is constantly gazed at all of these things that are going to stir up sin and desires the flesh in us, then how could we expect to walk in conformity to the image of Jesus? Right? It's as we set our gaze and our attention on the spirit, on on Jesus through his word, through prayer, as we commune with God, that he's going to conform us and shape us and and chip away the flesh. So when Paul calls us to keep in step with the spirit, he's inviting us to partake in a positive and active process by which we pursue God, right? So this isn't just about us avoiding particular sins or avoiding um, things in general. It's about what are you pursuing? What are you chasing after? What are you motivated by?
1: So we are invited to actively participate
0: in what God is doing in our lives, how he is forming us and shaping us into the image of Christ. This is a call to to worship Jesus, to love God, to, to remember and reflect on the gospel, remember who you are in him, and to believe that he is more satisfying, he is more fulfilling, than so many of the things we often settle for that leave us empty, that leave us longing, that leave us looking for more. So an application with to social media here could look like this. Are you, and, and, and I want you just to imagine this for me, are you filled at times with loneliness? Are you filled with envy? Are you filled with jealousy? Are you filled with anger, with strife, with lust? And instead of turning to social media and seeking to fulfill those desires outside God's design, what would it look like? What would it look like in those moments to pause, to breathe, to pray, to preach the gospel to yourself? What would it look like to open the scriptures when that desire stirs up within you, when you have that longing? What would it look like to open up God's word, to seek the abiding presence of Jesus, who promises he is always with us, the spirit who indwells us, what would it look like to turn away from social media and to turn towards a God who loves us? Or to turn towards a godly friend, right, who can point us to Jesus? What would it look like? So my main idea was this. You are called Christians, to gospel freedom. Like God wants to set you free. Actually, he has set you free from the power and from the bondage that sin has you. Like as, as sin and those desires of the flesh stir up in your heart, like Jesus has set you free. It says in, in verse one here of chapter five, we don't have that on the screen, but if you have your Bible, it says for freedom, Christ set us free. Jesus wants you to walk in freedom. Like, Jesus doesn't want you to experience that tension of, like, oh, you're, like, the desires of the flesh, and I'm going to live into that a little bit, and then I'm going to go to church. Like, that, that superficiality, and the sin, and the brokenness, the pain that comes with giving yourself over to sin, Jesus doesn't want that for you. He has called you to freedom. He has set you free. He has put to death the power of sin over us. And yes, we experience that tension like this is not an already and not yet reality, right? This is already accomplished for us, yet it's not yet fully realized. But God wants you to walk in freedom from your sin. And I think too often we settle by being distracted and discipled by social media and by allowing social media to stir up sin within us. And we gaze our attention on these things instead of setting our attention on Jesus, um, and on the gospel. So what false gospels are you believing? What false gospels are you tempted to believe in social media? And how can you turn from those gospels and believe that Jesus can satisfy the deepest longings of your soul? That he loves you, that he sees you, that he purchased you, and that you are a loved and adopted son and daughter of God. Let's pray, and um, then we're going to move into a time of worship. Father, we just come before you. I just thank you for your word, for the way that you speak through your word to us, the way you encourage us and strengthen our souls. God, I pray that you would just convict us of sin, convict us of the ways in which we are sinfully uh, engaging with social media and sinfully engaging with just with these different platforms. God, would you convict us? Would you draw us deeper to your love? And would we believe your gospel? Would we believe your love for us? Would we believe the freedom that we have in Jesus? God, we thank you we love you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.